distinction between products and guidance and honest, unbiased information. And much of what is, goes on in the financial tax um, marketplace is sale of products very often um, packaged as advice. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Bernard Reese. Uh, Bernard is a CPA and the Chief Education Officer at Reshare Financial. As curating to help real estate investors understand real estate title and tax tools. So, Bernard, I'm going to stop there. There's there's a ton of stuff here. I know we're going to get into a lot of it. Um, but first, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today, uh, taking the time out this morning. I really appreciate it. Uh, Jason, uh, thank you so much for having me. I got to say the so I say the pleasure is all mine. An honor to be here. Um, and this is what I love doing. I love uh, sharing knowledge. And hopefully listeners will benefit from, you know, from what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, yeah, I would have to imagine that they will, uh, myself included, I'm excited here. Um, why don't you just start by, you know, giving us your background, tell us, tell us a bit about yourself and um, kind of what, what brought you to today, and then we'll, we'll dive into some topics. Let's do it. Uh, fundamentally, what it really comes from is realizing at some point having that epiphany uh, that really the vast majority of Americans were not being very well served by the financial system um, in the sense that there was there were, I'd say, two primary uh, deficiencies that I noticed um, in my role as a CPA and working with an array of individuals from the ultra high net worth to your Main Street American. Right. Uh, one is that there is a whole world of financial tools, products, approaches, and concepts that were kind of off the table, kind of out of sight, out of view, uh, and people weren't getting exposure to them. It's, hey, you walk into your financial advisor and you think um, you're being kind of told somebody that kind of knows the entire system, knows everything that the American economy has to offer, and they're telling you, hey, I've already been through all this, and you should do A, B, and C. Yeah. When in reality, um, the financial advisors, in the institutional side of things, um, very likely they themselves were only taught a b c d and e and everything past that between e and z they had never seen and even if they did they were disincentivized or explicitly disallowed from sharing that uh, with their clients uh, so if you go to your retail financial advisor stockbroker right they're going to be working with kind of what they have in inventory so that's the first thing that I realized. People were not being given 
the tools and the information um, that they really should have had access to so that they can make the best choices for themselves. Um, and of course, notably amongst those, chief amongst those is stuff that is real estate related. Um, real estate um, is the avenue. There are many ways that folks can change and transform uh, their financial profile. Uh, but the one that is most accessible to Main Street America is real estate. Real estate has many angles to it, uh, but we can say over centuries and to this day, real estate has been the way that most of the people that have achieved financial transformation have gone. It's been the real estate route. Are there other routes? Absolutely. But real estate is the one that is most widely accessible. Um, the second thing is that I realized is that most of the, there are, there's a distinction between products and guidance and honest, unbiased information. And much of what is, goes on in the financial tax um, marketplace is sale of products very often um, packaged as advice. But it's essentially the sale of a product. Um, and that is kind of what, when I realized that, that kind of gave me my why and emotion and the, the you know, the, the vision and the desire to try to bring the broader array of tools um, to American at large, to, you know, wherever you are, you know, be able to get access to this stuff along with empowering information to kind of break out. There's a product, but hey, you need to know, is it really for you? What are the pros and cons of this thing? You really need that honest education. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because I mean, I, th maybe we can break it down into, you know, what, what you think are the sort of mainstream things that people have accessibility to, and then outside of that, but, but even just, you know, from personal experience, it's like, you're sort of told about 401k and an IRA, like those things you're told about, you can put, you know, X amount of dollars in them, but I, I didn't know until, you know, a few years ago that you could do self-directed. I didn't know how, um, <laughs> how controlled by your employer a 401k is, you know, there, there's just so many things that, uh, is, is truly once you, I think a, a lot of that system relies on people not knowing like the, the lack of education is what kind of keeps that stuff going. Cause because I think once you figure it out that it's, it's not actually the best uh, vehicle for most. Um, wh what do you see, Bernard, as, as kind of like, and I, it, we'll get to the financial advisor angle as well, but what, what do you see as the the sort of avenue that, that people are sort of standardly told, you know, sort of routinely, this is what you should do. And maybe some of the reasons why that's not not the best. Yeah, glad to talk about it. And I'd say a lot of it comes down to, um, I don't know, was it Warren Buffett or, um, you know, that said, show me the incentives and I'll show you where the money is, something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, but it's really, when we say incentives, we also mean uh, disincentives, right? Things that kind of 
are, are pushing, creating conflicts of interest or pushing folks to promote one thing over another. Uh, and so without even, I, I don't think we can point to like any individual and say, hey, they are deigning and designing to try to, to provide misinformation. It's kind of all the big pieces of the system have come together in a way that conspires to deprive us of the true freedom to choose. Uh, so your employer 401k, right? The employer themselves doesn't know too much about 401k plans, right? They're also having somebody come to them and say, hey, we've got this product. Hey, we put it together for you, tied up in a nice neat little bow. The employers don't themselves do not know um, where all the fees are. They don't have a prayer. So it's not as if the employer is the boogeyman. Um, it's a complex system that serves to obscure and, and keep people from really getting free. Um, and I think that freedom thing is, is a big word. I think many people would like you to believe that, hey, better that you don't know Better that you not be empowered. Just get on that conveyor belt and you'll be kind of okay. You're, not, you're never going to be truly financially free or truly mentally free, but you'll get from point A to point B. But what I think most people really would want is, is hey, give me all the knowledge. Tell me all that's out there and I'll choose if I want to be on your conveyor belt or I want to self-direct it and kind of take responsibility and ownership. Uh, so your 401k, just use that as to illustrate, your employer, he's got, if the minute he says, hey, you know what, if you were to go to his guy, say, hey, I want to put some real estate in here, right? They're going to tell him, do you know what kind of ERISA liability you're creating for yourself? Do you know what you, you know what kind of trouble you could creating? So there's no, there are a lot of disincentives um, that the system has created um, and it's kind of like, hey, leave well enough alone. Let things kind of just kind of let the system take care of, do its thing. But I think as individuals, we owe it to ourselves to take a step back and seek out the full array of knowledge um, that's out there. And after all that, you may say, hey, you know what? I just want to be on the system, right? I just want to put my blinders on, put on my go to sleep and get on that conveyor belt. Um, and I think many folks will say, hey, no way, I want to own this. But even the folks that say, hey, I want to stay with the system would prefer that they given the option and they see, hey, these are the two routes, right? I want to be free to choose that. And I think that's where the system has failed uh, by kind of skipping over and omitting, you know, A, B, C, D, and E really of, of your financial journey and kind of handing you the product without giving you the choice and the ability um, to decide if that's the route you want to take. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just definitely a, a, a lack of um, choice or just <laughs> optionality, just knowing that there are other ways that you can go. And it's just, it's, and it, it does like the more I learn about you know alternative investments which i actually hate that term because i'm like what, what's alternative about real estate everybody real estate is everywhere it just doesn't make any sense but the 
the funny thing is like like one of the big you'll see it like people put it in their um you know social media posts and like pros and cons of stocks versus uh real estate and like one of the cons for real estate is always illiquidity I'm like but everybody will blindly put money into their 401k that they can't touch until they're 65 or say what you know it's just like it doesn't some of this stuff is just it doesn't make sense when you actually start to learn about it, it just doesn't make sense like logically there's no real reason why it should be that way like it just it's kind of a weird uh a weird thing but you're so when you're advising people and sort of helping them make these decisions what what approaches do you take i know i know you sort of talked about you know sort of the downsides of some financial advisors and i think that's another thing that i find sort of illogical is it's just you know people um don't maybe don't even know that their financial advisor is incentivized to sell them certain products and so you know you talk to them about a different type of investment and then they say i'm gonna go talk to my financial advisor that person doesn't know anything about it they don't they, they don't know anything not their fault they just don't know anything about it and so it's kind of again like a, a blind trust in sort of these certain things that are in place that that don't actually serve you well so what do you is that kind of what what you're doing what your company's doing is sort of helping people find those alternative routes so our focus is we you know it's on the tax side and i'll explain why um obviously we have educational resources about just about everything but there's a heavy focus on i'd say the financial and tax products related to real estate uh but what we view and why is that um and of course it all our role is we've used to provide unbiased number one provide unbiased honest information or number two empower folks with the tools should they choose to act upon that so let's talk about self-directed retirement accounts for a moment and why they're so important the reality is is that the majority of americans have their investable assets disproportionately held inside of IRAs and 401ks. That's kind of the fact. So there are $30 trillion or so inside of these accounts. Uh, so for folks that are beginning their journey and taking their first steps towards ownership, uh, the you know the retirement account is probably going to be their ticket in right if you want to get into real estate one way or another whether you're doing your own deals or you're going into syndication right there's a need for funds um without funds right even if you go out if you're going to take you know somebody out there you see social media says you can do real estate with no money um and obviously take some of that with a grain of salt, right? What it really means is that you can use other people's money, right? right? Yeah. There is money. There's no Someone's way money estate. is involved, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it, and of course, another thing I'd say that I've learned over time is you can kind of, yeah, there, is there like that kind of golden ticket out there somehow control a billion dollar deal without a dollar of your own money? Does it happen? Yeah, it's kind of trying to win the lottery, but it's not a financial plan right to play the lottery every day so you're much better served by saying hey i've got some money in my retirement account 
I'm going to use that so I can actually just get in the game, right? Um, now, you may just dive in head first, say I'm buying my own property. Great learning experience, buy a duplex. Um, you know, obviously don't do it blindly. But, you know, even if you break even on that, it will be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars um, yeah. in terms of learning experience that you can um, – but you can go into a syndication and you can stay with syndications that so many people do because they're like, hey, it's passive, easy. Some people use syndications as a bridge, but you got to start somewhere. And the retirement account is usually um, that kind of that ticket, that starting point. So that's one of the things we offer is kind of the ability. We set up retirement accounts, um, IRAs, 401ks and HSAs, other qualified retirement plans. If it's out there, we can assist with it. So that you can take money that's in the retirement account system that you may have in an IRA and 401k, put it into a new account that you control, and you can put it into real estate. Um, together with that, obviously, there's nuance to doing this. Um, and so we provide education um, so folks know what to do, what not to do. Uh, practically, uh, what would I say is that these accounts are not one size fits all. Uh, so we have kind of, let's say, two primary accounts that we use that we know between those two, we're going to cover 90% of the population. We've made those super cost effective. It's the most cost effective way to get a self-directed retirement account. And we know that works for 90% of the folks. Uh, but if, hey, we're, we're speaking to you and we say, hey, you're not part of that 90%. For some reason, you have more complex stuff going on. We'll point that out to you when we have the resources to get something customized uh, based on an investor's needs. But it is important to understand there is no one size fits all. And in the consulting that I do, that I do independently, right, I do oftentimes have to meet folks that have an account set up. And for a nominal upfront fee, they could have avoided, avoided you know, a lot of heartache uh, down the line. So these are tax vehicles, anything tax related. Uh, make sure you're working with folks that have the, the expertise and the desire to give you objective information. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, question regarding, you know, sort of back to the 401k, because I had, I actually had this conversation with an investor uh, she wanted to invest through her 401k and she is not allowed to access it and move any of that from her employer's 401k program to a self-directed account. Is that, is that true? Is that like a, a real thing or are they just telling her? And I, I was like, that sounds like it shouldn't be legal, but apparently it, maybe it is. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a lot to take apart here. So I'll give you kind of the short answer. Uh, this, there are two things to understand. There are real restrictions placed by the tax code, but those restrictions will vary depending on the nature of the contributions to the plan. 401k plans can have many, many different types of contributions. Now, the vast majority of folks um, are going to have a safe harbor 401k plan. There are many types of 401k plan designs but the most common design out there um, is a safe harbor 401k. 
now, what is a safe harbor for 401k? Because I also know there's some misinformation about that out there on the web. Um, 401k plans have to deal with discrimination issues. Um, what Congress set these up, they didn't want business owners or the kind of the higher ups in the business to kind of set up these plans to create tax benefit for themselves. They wanted to make sure that the benefits of these plans accrue to all employees of the business. Mm -hmm. Therefore, 401k plans are subject to all sorts of what we call annual non-discrimination testing. So there's ACP testing, ADP testing, top-heavy testing, right? A lot of different things that have tests that go on to kind of see, hey, how much money did each group of employees contribute to the plan? How much money does everybody have in the plan? And if it's disproportionately tilted to what are called the highly compensated employees, then the plan has expensive corrective work to do. So Congress said, you know what, we'll give you something called a safe harbor plan design. And what that is, hey, if you say commit that I'm going to give, the business will give X amount of matching contributions for each employee, then we're going to give you a kind of a free pass on some of this non-discrimination testing. So that has made, and that's called a safe harbor plan. Uh, so safe harbor plans are the most popular plans. Uh, now, in a safe harbor plan, typically safe harbor contributions cannot be removed until the employee um, either leaves kind of that job or they reach age 59. That is, in fact, the law. However, above and beyond that, the law does allow the plan to be as restrictive as it wants to be. Right. So there is still room. Essentially, what the IRS says, we're going to give you a minimum threshold of restrictiveness, but you can be as restrictive as you'd like, right? You can't go below that, but you can be more restrictive. Yeah. Um, so now certain things though, rollover, typically if you move money into a plan, like as a rollover, you should be able to allow to roll that out. If you made a volunt what's called a voluntary contribution, you should be able to roll that out. But that's what the IRS says. The plan can say, we don't allow it. Um, so the reality is when we get folks like that, we say, unless we're going to do complete analysis of your 401k plan and all the contributions, right? We got to know the entire plan. Um, and you got to understand that the financial institutions that control these are incentivized to be as restrictive as possible because the way they make money is taking a percentage of your money, yeah. even if you don't see it, right? Yeah. So they're incentivized to be as restrictive as possible. Um, they're not going to change the plan for you. Now, what we want people to know is it is very possible that you can get the money out. Um, so don't necessarily accept the kind of that flippant, lazy answer, no, you can't get your money out. We'll give people a resource and we'll tell people, be a little pushier, right? Try to get take this to the finish line because... The one that has the answer is the plan administrator, but don't necessarily take the quick answer, an easy and lazy answer of the first person that you spoke to that said, hey, you can't get this money out because yeah. it's very possible that you can. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know <laughs> when I heard that because because she had just like you mentioned, she had rolled money over in from another plan. They told her she couldn't get that either. So from That's the previous surprising. job. 
Yeah, I I, th I think it's probably that, like you said, the lazy answer. Just it's easier for them to just tell her no and hope she doesn't, you know, sort of push that, <laughs> push that, uh, push against that, I guess. Um, so you said that, you know, sort of there's generally two things that you, you, not 90% of your, you know, customers are going to use and, and what, what are those, what, what fits, you know, for sort of for most people? Yeah. So for most folks, we're going to be looking at either, um, our focus is, um, is what we call checkbook control. Um, is that a term that you're familiar with? Uh, I am, but maybe good for the listeners to hear it again. So with um, retirement accounts, folks are accustomed to their funds being completely kind of out of, not just out of your control in terms of choosing to put money into real estate, but in terms of actually executing things, um, there are a lot of barriers between that, between yourself and the funds. Uh, now, if we kind of back things up a little bit, um, let's talk about their two groups of retirement accounts. Um, I have a handy diagram somewhere. Do you do this? Do you do um, when you publish these? Do you publish video? We do. I can let you share your screen. Uh, so let's see what I got here. Let's see if I can. Uh, let me pop this out. Just a minute, I'll just find the right one. I'm just going to get, I don't want to get the video. I just want to get the screen share of the diagram. Um, let's see if we give me a moment. Let's see if we get this. I'll, um, I'll just, um, let's, I just, all right. All right, let me know if you see that. Are you seeing yes. this diagram? Yep. Okay. So broadly speaking, the world of self-directed investing and really the world of retirement accounts, retirement accounts fall into two groups. Qualified retirement plans, called QRP for short, just easier to say that, and IRAs, which are individual retirement arrangements. Um, now, what falls under QRP? 401k plans is an example of a qualified plan. Um, under IRA, we've got what most folks know as a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. Health savings accounts have the same rules um, kind of in terms of investing as IRAs. If we go to the tax code, we'll find that qualified retirement plans do not need a financial institution trustee. Uh, so it, and in fact, in the majority of, you know, 401k plans, you know, that small businesses have. So if say you got a business that has 20 employees or five employees and they have a 401k plan, the trustee is usually going to be the business owner themselves is going to be the trustee. In contrast, on the IRA side, there is a requirement that there be a financial institution that's the trustee. Um, now, being the trustee, the trustee is the one that actually controls the money. They write the checks. 
Um, if there's something money has to be wired, right? They send that wire. So our, for the most part with our clients, we're going to be doing a, an account setup where they're actually going to have direct control over the money. And there are two ways that this is done. Um, if we go on, if we're on the qualified retirement plan side, and they're going to have a, what we call a solo 401k and profit sharing plan, right? They're going to be the trustee because it's a 401k plan. Likes, and that's where, um, and that's one of the two that I was referring to. So you're on the qualified retirement plan side, you're going solo, and they're going to have a 401k plan, 401k and profit sharing. On the other side, we'll go to the IRA. And most folks will have, you know, an IRA, either traditional or Roth. And we're going to be setting up an LLC for them. I know this diagram is a lot going on here. Um, and so what we do is we set up an LLC inside of the IRA. And that LLC is controlled by the investor. Um, that gives the investor direct control over a bank account. So if they're putting money into syndication, there's no need to get a custodian to sign off on it, to do all sorts of custodian paperwork. Um, there's no need to wait on a custodian to process. The, in, you know, the IRA investor can just send a wire from a bank account. Um, they can execute subscription, subscription docs very much like they would if there was no IRA involved. So they're going to be getting what's known in the industry as checkbook control. So inside of a solo 401k, we could do that without an LLC because you're the trustee. Um, inside of an IRA, we're typically, typically going to be setting up an LLC controlled by the investor. That LLC sits inside of the IRA. Um, so it's an extension of the IRA um, and the investor gets to control that and invest, it is definitely the most efficient and economical way to use an self-directed IRA uh, for investing. So those are the two. Kind of checkbook IRA, IRA LLC is one, um, and solo 401k. Uh, we do assist with all these other account types, but that's kind of if you fall under 10%. But for 90% of folks, solo 401k or IRA LLC uh, is going to be the way to go. With the IRA LLC, and it, this is just some of my my understanding, is that because you mentioned the IRA has to be has a financial institution custodian. So, are you saying if someone has a IRA through Schwab, TD America, whatever, they can go in and have an LLC within that, and then they take control of that, or they have to pull it out of that one and move it into a different IRA? Yeah, it has to go out of there, unfortunately. Um, the way to think about it conceptually is that it's still a private asset. Um, so the what they the, the, what this IL what this LLC is essentially is a private equity investment. Um, and so you just like you couldn't go to Schwab and say, "Hey, I've got my," because in a self-directed IRA, you can hey your neighbor starting a business, you want to invest in it, you could do that. Yeah. Right, but there's no way Schwab can facilitate that because it's not publicly traded, um, and that's kind of what we're mimicking here. We're creating a private equity investment. Incidentally, you control that private equity 
company. And then you're going to choose how to invest it. Uh, it's And that analogy kind of breaks, to bring it home, um, it's just like when you your IRA owns a share of Amazon, right? Amazon has its own managers, right? I don't know if Jeff Bezos is still whatever his role is, but right? Jeff Bezos does what he wants at Amazon. He doesn't do, go ask the IRA custodian. He doesn't go to Schwab and say, hey, there are about a million Americans that own a small slice of Amazon, um, I need to get their input on what to do. That's kind of what we're doing here. We're creating a little company. Um, you control it. You don't have to go to the IRA, to your self-directed IRA custodian and say, hey, um, I want to put my money into Lark Capital deal. What do you say? Right? You're the manager of that company. You do whatever is in the best interest of that company. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's... I guess these are all things that, you know, people, you need someone, right? You need, it's, it's, you know, it's checkbook control, but you still need someone who is uh, kind of the custodian. No, it's not, you can't kind of do this on your own entirely. So I, th I think that's an important thing just for people to mention that you can't decide that I'm going <laughs> to on, uh, on yeah. the side, open my own, uh, you know, IRA LLC and, and go do whatever I want with it. So um, important to just make sure that people are, you know, all the disclaimers, checking with your CPA, making sure this is okay, or, or checking with Bernard and uh, his company and making sure that it's something that, that works for you. I think that's a really important piece for people to understand. And I think, <clears throat> I mean, I know when you pulled up, you know, there's there, I saw many, many webinars there with a lot of different um, topics that I think could be of value to people. So uh, I think one thing that, that's always been so, I guess, front of mind for me in the real estate space and, and kind of is, it's just education, right? It's just get, getting this knowledge out there that that's why I have the podcast. That's why I love talking to people like you just because it it allows us to, to look at things differently. It, I don't even think it should be differently, but it is differently than what people are taught. Um, or they're just not taught anything. And so it's just kind of getting getting this information out there of what's available, and how people can actually have some, uh, some control of their, you know, their financial well-being. And, and as you said earlier, if you have all that information, you decide, you know what, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going <laughs> to go along with, you know, my employer 401k. I'm going to do things that way. That's fine. It's fine. Just, it's more just about, you know, kind of understanding what's available to you and, and making your choices from, from a position of education and knowledge. Exactly. I mean, couldn't have said it better. Uh, that's really it. That freedom is not about, I would say there are some folks, you know, you don't want to chase somebody else's dreams um, or be somebody else's, you know, you know, somebody else's dream. You want to be living your own uh, dream life, which may be pursuing, getting, going out on your own and, you know, pursuing things. And it may be, hey, I'm going to take a step back take it easy. Um, the reality is, right, and just to be frank with folks, um, right, there is, when you get out into this space, it creates a lot of opportunity, opportunity that does not exist inside of, so to speak, the, the closed box system, mm -hmm. but there is also additional responsibility 
and risk, um, to a great extent, the, those go hand in hand. Most of the time, everybody lives happily ever after, uh, but you really want to you know, perform your due diligence on your investments, on your tax tools, uh, because you want to make sure you know, you're doing it right. So greater control and ownership has, you know, upside that's 100x, but it also does mean you have greater responsibility. It means you're owning it. Um, and I think most, you know, statistically, if you do the kind of go take your finance class, um, folks are, if we kind of look at the way things tend to play out, um, in all likelihood, you'll be okay. But if you go swing for the fences and you strike out, right, you don't want to be there. And that does happen to some folks that don't do their due diligence. So once you get out there, you're taking ownership, um, do your due diligence. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 100% it, true. I think one that's, that's the sort to me, that's a pro and a con because it's like with our, you know, sort of traditional employer sponsored plans, you don't get to do the due diligence you're you're paying as far as i can tell you're paying someone a fee to do no better than you could do just investing in you know an etf or something like that that's free like no there's no oh, yeah it's not yes. performance based at all like I, I i i looked at the numbers when i pulled my 401k out of my job and i was like I, i've done better in my Robinhood account like there's just it's just like there's no it, it's it you're not paying on performance you're paying a percentage of that 30 trillion dollars that's out there like that's that's how that you know they're making money it's not it's not performance based so just important to understand those things and if you're okay with it great like that's that's fine just go ahead and continue doing what you're doing but i just want people to know that there's there are options there are other ways to to go about it and you know kind of kind of as you said set yourself up for much higher returns uh over time um, Bernard, I, I, I want to um, switch gears here and, and ask you the questions that I ask every guest. Uh, and like I said, there's probably about a million things that we could talk for hours and hours. But um, the the first question is always, um, what is your why? You did you did touch on it a little bit earlier. Uh, you mentioned that I wanted to give you the chance to uh, expand and see, you know, kind of what what is your sort of mission? What drives you towards towards uh, success? Uh, yeah, it's it's something, it's interesting. I'll bring up another question that people often ask. I don't know if it's one of your questions. Uh, is like, oh, how do you give back, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things, and I'm not fond of that question, and there's kind of an inherent, I think, uh, fallacy in that question, which is like somehow what you're doing all day in your business, that's kind of where you're taking Right. right. And you're right. And then somehow you're going to find some other avenue to give back. You're going to spend some time or give some money. Um, and really, if you're spending the lion's share of your day and time, right, in your vocation, that's where you should be doing um, the most giving. Um, your vocation is not just like, hey, how can I earn fees? Um, of course, you know. We are, we've got to earn a livelihood. Uh, but the position that you want to start with is, you know, how am I helping individuals? How am I helping people? How am I giving and contributing, um, you know, through 
the way I spend my days. Um, and I'd say in each space that, that we're active in, subjective retirement accounts, cost segregation, 1031 exchange, the way we got into that is we saw for, you know how this was being done in a way that was not empowering people with all the knowledge that they need. Um, and we're like, hey, we're going to do this in a way that we're hopefully going to bring as much integrity and expertise um, to this. Um, we're not going to overpromise. We're not going to overcharge. Um, hopefully, in everything that we do, um, we're giving um, and contributing, uh, you know, to moving folks forward uh, financially and economically. Um, and that's really the big why is to kind of stay attuned uh, to those foci. Yeah, I I love that perspective. I, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's maybe not something that we <laughs> I've ever really thought of it that way, but it's true. It's you know, in theory, as a professional, you know, presumably you are helping people. You are giving back. I mean, you're getting paid for it. So you're right. The 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 question about what do you do to give back implies that you have to do something that you get nothing for, right? That there's some, so it's, it's an interesting um, perspective there. I love that. I think it's, it's an important thing to think about. Um, when people uh, hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Yeah. Best uh, place is reshorefinancial.com. That's R-E-S-U-R-E financial.com. Um, we'll find there's a page dedicated to self-directed retirement accounts, a page dedicated to cost segregation, um, and a page dedicated to 1031 exchange. Throughout the website on each page, um, there are buttons to kind of schedule a free call um, or either, hey, if you have a cost segregation study, there's a button, free analysis, submit details of your property, schedule a Zoom call, um, and we're gonna get back to you free, no charge, give you an assessment of what you're going to, what you can expect to get uh, from doing a cost segregation study. Um, 10 through one exchange. Again, there's a button, you schedule a zoom, you submit some basic details about your transaction. And we discuss with you how that might look. Um, and then there's kind of like a general button on the top that says, Hey, schedule a free consult. Uh, you know, you're not sure which way to go to schedule a call with us. Um, and that's all at reshorefinancial.com. We've also got an education space. That's where that videos and webinars were full of resources. Um, just about any real estate tax topic, it's searchable. Um, it's categorized. You've got 1031 exchange section, self-directed retirement account section, a cost segregation section. Then we've kind of got a catch-all section, which deals with almost any topic, real estate professional, life insurance, asset protection, whatever it is, kind of it's in there. Uh, but it's all searchable, and that's at members.reshorefinancial.com. We'll put that stuff in the show notes, too, so we have it for people to find you easily. Um, I skipped a question, actually. What? <laughs> tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, a uh, special skill, a hobby, um, something to let, let people know you a little bit better outside of um, making people m money. Uh, let's see. So I got to pick one of the things that people don't know that I'm ready to share over here. I got to spill the beans. Yeah. Um, okay. I have enjoying children's 
books. Probably today, an adult, as reading to my kids, I'm developing an appreciation for the books that we read as kids that I could not possibly have had <laughs> when I first read them. All of yeah. a sudden, I'm seeing how, hey, these authors, you know, there are layers mm-hmm. of meaning sometimes in some of these books or movies that, you know, these were not children, you know, sometimes these directors or authors, you might have thought that, hey, these are just like people with a childlike imagination. They're essentially kids, grownups that have a kid's right. minds and writing right. for kids. Yeah. And you're like, no, these guys are have been managed to insert several layers of yeah. meaning. Um, the kids may not pick up on it or maybe only kind of by virtue of osmosis or subconsciously. But when you're older, all of a sudden you see those patterns more clearly. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's a it's a it's a funny thing to have, especially like like Disney is a good example. Like have watched some of these like Disney or Pixar movies like years and years ago. I guess I wasn't even really a child when they came out. But like even now that I have children, watching them with them and just the uh, realizing that probably we're not like enjoying it for the same reason i guess is yeah <laughs> there's yeah, those I, different layers the first time i had that epiphany so i happened to favor older stuff you know kind of the same stuff that i had seen as a kid yeah um so a lot i have a very strong bias towards older stuff i remember watching disney's pinocchio with my kids and i was like wow there are a lot of life lessons here <laughs> it's like, go back yeah. to that. And then all of a sudden I Googled it and I realized that, hey, people have written about this, yeah. right? And so kind of how the different characters there, um, and it, it sort of said made even tie into our conversation today, right? All the different voices, the different incentives and motivations, the short term and, and prioritizing, you know, instant gratification versus taking the long view, a lot of beautiful messages in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> this is like a related story, but funny. My, um, I don't know if you watch the Cars movies, but like the Pixar Cars in the third one, it's basically about, um, you know, like the uh, Lightning McQueen, who's like the, the, the star the whole time. He, he's getting older and it's like, he's not, not as good anymore. Man, I, I can't tell you how funny my wife thought that was just like re- <laughs> relating it to like me and my friend and like as we like aging athletes and stuff. And I'm like, hey, hey, that's a sensitive subject. But yeah, it's, it's a funny, it's just funny how like, I'm sure my kid, my son doesn't care. Like he doesn't know, really understand that at this point. But he just like, my wife was like, this is hysterical. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's true. It's the stuff that's in there. It's it's you know it's obviously it's written by adults um, <laughs> to entertain kids, but but also the parents that are that are watching. Um, final question for you. <laughs> that's another topic we could talk about for hours. Um, final question for you, Bernard is is what what advice would you give to someone who um, wants to get started in in investing in in wants to find, you know, kind of their way to, to maybe get outside the traditional, you know, what, what they're going to be told, uh, either by their employer or by, you know, sort of the, the majority of people, how, how do they get started in these alternative, um, ways of investing? 
Um, I think that the couple of things, uh, you know, anybody can get lucky on the first time around, but where it's not about luck, it's right. It's about taking a responsible, you know, approach. Of course, mm -hmm. some guy's going to play the lottery and somebody's going to win. But if you want to take a, a responsible approach, uh, if we want to be completely frank, humans are humans in every domain. And it and just in the world of real estate, there are wonderful, wonderful people, but there are also some folks that are happy to kind of take your money and see, hey, you know, will this deal work out? Great. If not, I earn my fee, right? Yeah. Sold you this product, you know, whether you do well or not, you kind of, you got the product. Right. Um, so I think the key is to try to find um, really good, solid human beings. Um, and for me, at least my perspective on that is to look to the people that have true substance, not a lot of hot air. It's a lot very easy to make a lot of noise out there um, and toot a big horn. Uh, but you want to find the people, at least when you get started, the folks that are that you can sense they have real substance to them. Um, and then I'd say step two is take action with those people. Don't you can't get stuck though. You got to take action. And if you want to, I'd say the third thing is, all right, take a small action. Take that first step yeah. um, so that you get started. It can be incremental, but commit to a pick one deal, uh, maybe a deal that you'll get in on that will have a lower, you know, their their minimum will be lower. Or deals in the will say, hey, the mines. I see how you can be a great long-term, we can be great long-term partners. And I respect the fact that this is your first deal. And even though my minimum is $75,000, I'll take 35 from you on the first deal, see how it's like, um, and we'll take it from there. So I'd say find the substantive individuals, individuals um, and take incremental action with those folks. Yeah, I love it. It's a, it, it, yeah, people first. Right. It, it's a it, it's a I guess you could argue that every business is a people business in reality. But, you know, the, at least the, the ones that are good, the one the people that are going to have success in business are going to find the right people around them. And and so you, you, you look for that, those connections and, and uh, work with them. Um, Bernard, this was awesome. Thank you again. I, I think, uh, you know, people should definitely go check out the website. And there's just so much more to all this that we sort of we're able to scratch the surface in the time that we had, but thank you for coming on, sharing uh, sharing some of this and sort of starting the conversation and hopefully we'll get, get some people heading your way. I think it's really important stuff to to find uh, find the answers outside of, you know, kind of the, the mainstream box. So thank you. Uh, Jason, uh, thanks so much. Uh, pleasure and an honor. Um, I really enjoy doing this and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks listening, I mean, it, definitely check out the website. There, there's a lot of important stuff here. And uh, again, we, we'll just have to have you back because I, <laughs> there's so much we could talk about. But um, uh, I know you're going to love this. Please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more, more great guests like Bernard. And thank you all for listening. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why 
and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?